Luke 15. We will be using our Bibles <coughs> to go to many other, some, many passages. Some of them I've went ahead and, and uh, put out for you on the, on the sheet. But we, will be, we won't be staying in Luke. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 3 is the beginning of three parables. Three parables that all have an emphasis on um, one. <laughs> There's a great emphasis on one within these three parables. Maybe you've read them before. If not, this will be a great time. So just follow along, please. Luke 15, 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it, upon, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, Death not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, similar reaction. She calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Do you notice the pattern here? For I have found the peace that I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, I won't take the time, but the lost son is verse 11 and onward. And, uh, but we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and we have the lost son. And I'd like to speak to you on this theme tonight. It is my responsibility. It is my responsibility. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather together here this evening for a period of time. And uh, Lord, I just pray once again that our hearts would be uh, tender, ready to receive the, the biblical truth tonight you've laid on our heart to be reminded of once again. And I thank you, Lord, how you are, you are working in our midst. And uh, we're humbled by that. And uh, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would get the glory for this. And out of this just this simple thought, Lord, may there be one, may there be one as a result of this meeting, maybe not in this meeting, but could be in this meeting, but because of this meeting, there would be one that there would cause great rejoicing in heaven over one getting saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm told that our world population is now over 8 billion people, with a B, 8 billion people. Just recently gone over the 8 billion mark. Obviously, that's a number that's so astronomical that we really can't even wrap our, our head around it. We are now over 40 million people right here in our great country of Canada. That just happened as well recently. 40 million, 40 million here in Canada. And I, I was doing some reading that from 20 to 30 million, I think it was about 14 years or 15 years to do that. But then from 30 to 40 million, it was only, I think, 11 years to do that. And so obviously, 
there's growth in many ways. Uh, that's not really the point of the message, but we have growth, and there's 40 million approximately. And then in our province, uh, bringing it home a little bit closer, there are 5.4 million people in British Columbia. Now, in our, in our Bible text tonight, though, it, we didn't read anything about 8 billion, we didn't read anything about uh, 40 million, and we didn't read anything about 5 million, but we read something about one, and we read something about one uh, sheep, one coin, and then we would have read further about one son, and um, that's, that's kind of the emphasis, not necessarily the, the theme, but it, it reminds us, number one, actually in the outline there, is the value of one, so the word there is value, the value of one. So the illustration that Christ is giving here is to keep an eye on the one. Don't miss the one. And, of course, a, a sheep is an animal that doesn't have an eternal soul. A coin is money, and it's, it, has no, it has no eternal uh, soul as well, obviously. And, uh, but then the third one that he mentions, obviously, was the sun which uh, would, would have been someone, it was a parable, obviously, but emphasizing uh, something of eternity. In letter A, a soul is eternal. A soul is eternal. Let's go to in our Bibles to the very first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis, chapter number one. Everyone here tonight, everyone ever that's ever been born of a woman has a soul, S-O-U-L, soul. Everyone has one, okay? And it's eternal. The soul will never die. It will live on for all eternity. The body will not, but the soul will. The spirit that you have was dead until you got saved. When you got saved your spirit came alive, okay? And so, of course, the body is, is going to die. We'll be reunited with that. But the point is, a soul is eternal. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So created in the image of God, meaning that it, we are eternal, we are eternal. There is no such thing as when I die, that's it. I'm just going to die, and then that, that's going to be it. I've talked to people. That's, that's their belief. They believe they're just going to die, and it's all going to be over. We know from the scripture that death is actually just the beginning. It's just the beginning of eternity. So the value of a soul, uh, the value of one, a soul is eternal. We went ahead and typed out this verse, Mark 8, 36, in speaking of our soul. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So the value of one, think about how many different people we've seen this week since Sunday. Think about how many different people we've passed uh, since Sunday uh, on the bus, on the sidewalk, in the store. Each and every one of those ones um, have an eternal soul, okay? They have an eternal soul because they were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. I'm created in the image of God. So a soul is eternal, OK? 
Okay? To lose his own soul doesn't mean that the soul ceases to exist. It would mean there that this individual would have in a, a wonderful earthly life, a wonderful earthly experience, but he would lose his soul in the end because he would not have a relationship with God that God intended him to have. So the value of one, the value of one, a soul is eternal. Letter B, heaven and hell are real. Now, everybody, I think you probably already knew every statement I've given you tonight so far. Nothing has been earth-shattering. But what I'm, what I'm attempting to do from the Word of God is just to remind us of our responsibility. If you will, turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Luke 16, 22. Oh, I'm in John. That's a good passage, too. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So what do we, what do we have here tonight is we have a progression. We have a progression of the value of one. Every one has a soul. Every soul is going to spend eternity in one of these two places. There is no third option. There is no C. There's an A and a B, and that's it. And uh, that's, the, that's the importance of every time we have an opportunity to water a seed, plant a seed, sow a seed. Uh, because why? Because that individual has a soul. And we don't know when that body's going to die, but that soul's going to live on. And so thankfully, we're here tonight, and as far as I know, most of us here tonight, if not all of us, that understand, they're old enough to understand, we've turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've accepted Christ as our Savior. Praise the Lord that somebody cared for our soul. That's really what they cared for. They, they really didn't care for our body, you know, our, our face and whatever else, because that's pointless. But they cared for our soul, that they gave us the gospel, that they prayed for us, whatever it may be, because, again, the value of one, because we know that one soul, Christ died for one soul. Yes, Christ died for billions of souls, but Christ died for one soul, and he died for your soul. He died for mine. And we recognize and we're reminded that eternity is real. We get, I, I get so caught up in the kind of the life that we have that even sometimes we who we read our Bibles every day and praise the Lord for that. We have so much more we need to learn, but we read our Bibles every day and we want to walk with God. But even sometimes we can get so caught up that we forget this is just a short period of time. But eternity is that. It's eternal. And so 
Revelation 20:15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is real. Abraham's bosom or heaven is real. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. These are real places. Let's go to 1 Peter. We're emphasizing a responsibility that God has placed upon us tonight to be, to be gospel bearer, to bear the gospel, to deliver the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. That's an inheritance, isn't it? not corruptible. It's undefiled. It's not fading. Notice where it is. Reserved in heaven for you. Praise God. So heaven is real. Hell is real. Let's think about heaven. Tonight, if you're saved and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a place being prepared for you, as Jesus said in John 14. There's a place reserved for you. Think about having reservations, you know, at a restaurant or a hotel or whatever, and, and you booked them ahead of time, and, uh, and you were to go there, and, and they were to say, I'm sorry, but we're not able to honor your reservation. Something happened, and how, you know, you would be a little bit maybe upset about that, depending on how very important whatever that was, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, praise God, there's no, that's not going to happen when we get to heaven. I'm sorry, the reservations, I, we can't honor that. No, we have the word of God. That's, there's that place in heaven being reserved for us. And it says there, who are kept, verse 5, by the power of God. Isn't that great? I don't have to keep my salvation. I'm kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So the value of one. Every one, every soul is eternal. Heaven and hell are real. Let her see. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. The only way. Now, the idea in this is for you and for me to be able to take this thought, these thoughts tonight, of which most of us are well aware of them, but not just to store them in our head like we would store something in a filing cabinet but that we would have them ready and like, like we were talking before church tonight, you know, where can we have a, some other spaces where we have stuff that's readily available when we need it? This kind of information needs to be readily available. It doesn't need to be stacked away and, and, and packed away somewhere where you've got to search through a bunch of boxes, I'm saying in our heads, right? And, and no, we need to know right where this information is because this is transformational information from the word of God. John 14, 6, we quoted it earlier. How about Acts 4, 12? Let's go over there. Acts 4, 12. Let's be familiar. Why? Because a soul is eternal. A soul is eternal. Acts 4, 12. It's a great verse to put to memory. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men 
whereby we must be saved. And you just look up in verse number 10, and you'll know it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Again, we're not introducing lost souls to a church. We're inviting them to church. There's nothing wrong with that, but we're not introducing them to a church because the church is not the way to heaven. We're introducing them to the Savior. That track says Jesus loves you. That track says there is hope. And other tracks that we, we have that you have that you can use for the glory of God. We are pointing people not to a building. We are pointing people to the king. We're not pointing people to a, a religion. We are pointing people to a relationship with God. Think of that through Christ Jesus. What a responsibility. It is my responsibility, by the way. And that's what I want us to, when we look at this, we're reading it, it is my responsibility. Not it is your responsibility, it is mine. Okay, number two, quickly, to seek and to save. I think we can sum up the purpose of Jesus' life with Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is come, okay? Here's the purpose. To seek and to save that which I wonder if, you, if you've ever thought about that. What is, what is my life kind of purpose statement? I think Jesus' purpose statement was right there. It says why he came. Now, he came to fulfill the, will, fulfill the will of his father, but that was to go to the cross. That was the will of the father. And so that can be summed up very simply in that verse of scripture. Let's turn over to Mark 2. Mark 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what we're trying to do with the Lord's help. Call sinners to repentance. Call sinners to the cross. Call sinners to the empty tomb. Mark 10, 45 on the inside of your handout there, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. The purpose, the purpose of the Lord Jesus, he didn't come for people to minister to him, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Think about that. We're created in the image of God. We've been put here for a short period of time. We might have 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, I don't know, we might have less than that. But the point is this, uh, we're following in the footsteps of our Savior. And why did he come? Not so people would minister to him, but so that he could minister to others. This is my responsibility. One of the very familiar places in the Bible that we speak of is, one of the areas is, uh, of the Great Commission is in Matthew 28. Let's go over there. Matthew 28. What, what we're going to give you is something maybe that you have written down, but I want us to pray about it, not just for us, but it is, it is my responsibility, but I also want us to pray about it for Anchor Baptist Church. We're praying about, we are responsible. Now, it's not just that our church is responsible. Yes, the church was given the Great Commission, but I'm part of the church. So it's not just, okay, the church is going to tell people about Jesus. No, I need to tell people about Jesus because it's a personal responsibility. 
all right? So Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spake to them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Okay, the first word of verse 19 is what? Go. That's the first blank. Letter A, go. Go. G-O. We cannot go while doing nothing. <laughs> so the second blank is go. So we can't say we're going with the gospel if we're not doing anything. So we've got to be active, right? Go is an action. Now I can go in prayer. Yes, that's part of it. But I don't think that's the only part of it. Okay? So go. That's the first part. What's he tell them to do? Go ye therefore and teach. There's two words that he uses. The word teach and one of them is speaking about the gospel. One of them is speaking about more of a teaching the doctrines after salvation. So letter B is the word win, or you can put teach beside it. Go win. So when we go, we're not going with a, again, just to simply invite someone to church. We're going to give them the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 is the gospel. We'll come to that in a little bit. Okay? So we're going. We're going with something. We're teaching the gospel. Do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins? You know that you're a sinner. So we're going with this. Then, letter C. When someone gets saved, the very first step of obedience is to baptize. This is what Jesus said. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Why do we do what we do? We're following the commission of the Scriptures. The commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't just sit down and think this. This is from the Bible. So we go. When? We baptize. Baptize. It is the first step of obedience. The Great Commission is not in one part, two parts, three parts. The Great Commission is four parts. The fourth part is the word teach. Teach. Notice what he said in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Who is he speaking to? Yes, the disciples. So for three years, he's been teaching them a lot. He's been pouring himself into the disciples. The disciplined learners. The followers of Christ. And he's saying, so now you guys, who are the first church, by the way, disciples were the first church, it's founded by Jesus. And he's saying, now I want you to go out and I'm going I'm to go with you even unto the end of the world and go with this gospel message. Somebody gets saved, you're going to baptize them. That's baptizo, which means they got to go under the water. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then you're not just going to say, good job, you're saved and baptized, you're on the way to heaven. But now you're going to take them to the side and you're going to teach them everything I just taught you. That's discipleship. So I'm asking that we pray. And, you know, this is a, maybe this is a yearly reminder. I don't know, but God really has laid this on my heart in recent days. What does teach mean? We are teaching the new believer how to live the Christian life. Somebody taught me. 
Somebody taught you. Now, some of it is, is caught. You understand the difference? Some of it is caught. Some of it is taught. Caught means I just observe. I'm observing. I'm observing you. You're observing me. You're, you're listening. I'm watching. I watch my parents. Not everybody, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody, but not everybody maybe had a, a godly example for that part of it. But you've watched other people. They didn't sit down and, and, and put their arm around you and spend two hours with you, but their, their life has witnessed a change and you've seen that. That's caught. That's caught. I think we need both. I don't think we can just say, everybody, you better catch what I, who I am. No, we've got to sit down and we've got to tell them. We, they've got to um, not just be uh, caught, it must be taught. You know, and that's, that's for our kids too, really, Right? You know, the old do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> you know, that thing's got to go. That's never been good. No, not everybody's going to catch it. Not every child's going to catch it. Yes, that's part of it, but that's not the only part of it. Okay, but this isn't child rearing. This is my responsibility to get the gospel to people. So, go, win, baptize, teach. Can we pray, can we make that a matter of prayer for Anchor Baptist Church that we would that we would be uh, honoring the Lord in all four of these. That we would all go, we'll talk a little bit more of that in a minute, that we would all have a desire to win. Now, you're not winning anybody to Christ. You can't save anybody, but you're giving them the gospel. Isn't the gospel the power of God unto salvation? Yes, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So if we're going to, if we're not ashamed of it, then we should be willing to go with it. And then, obviously, baptize and then teach. All right. Number three. Number three. Owning, owning, O-W-N-I-N-G, owning the mission. So this is the mission. The mission is go, win, baptize, teach. Yes, it is a local church mission, but it's also a born-again believer mission as well. And so we have to take ownership of that is what this means. Letter A, in order to do this, there must be a commitment made. Make a commitment. And this is what I mean with regards to this little gem of a book here. It will really help you. Uh, it wasn't meant for this to happen, but it's the way the Lord has done it. Make a commitment. I've told the story before, maybe you've read it somewhere before, about D.L. Moody. And he was... Uh, a, a great evangelist, preacher of the gospel, a man, but greatly used of the Lord. And anyway, he was challenged one time by a, a lady who did not like his way of doing evangelism. She was just not thrilled with his methods and way he did it. And she told him, I don't really like the way that you share the gospel. And so he said, okay, well, he said, why don't you, I, I, okay, why don't you tell me how you share the gospel? And she said to Mr. Moody, she said, oh, I don't share the gospel. And he said, well, you know what then? I'd rather do, I'd rather share the gospel the way I share the gospel than the way you don't share the gospel. And he walked away. The point is, it's not a matter of there's one way to share the gospel and one way only. But we've got to be committed to sharing the gospel. Letter B, set a plan. If we don't plan, we're planning to fail. 
I was thinking about this. A weekly time and daily awareness. A weekly time and daily awareness. The Lord sent out 70 disciples in Luke 10. The Bible verse is there for you. And He sent them out two by two. I think that's still a good way to go. That's the way the Lord did it. But we're not always going to be able to go two by two on a weekly time. But I think we ought to, that ought to be our goal. That ought to be a plan. But also a daily awareness. Again, how many people have we... Souls, let's think it that way. How many souls have we crossed paths with since Sunday? And here's the key. Letter C, seek God's help. Seek God's help. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians three, verse nine. For we are labors together with who? God. Can, can, we, can we get any greater helper? <laughs> no. So we're not laboring by ourselves. We've got a co-laborer, if you will. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. We are labors together with God. First Thessalonians. Let's look at these two as well. Seek God's help. I was reading a story today of a, a, a publication that I get via email, and I, I think it was just timely that it came. And it's a, it's a, it's a ministry that encourages being a witness, giving out tracts and things like that. And there was an article in that newsletter that came, uh, I think it came yesterday in the email. And it was two men were out and they were knocking on doors, inviting people to church. And the, a man came to the door and they started to say who they were and what they were there for and he wasn't, he wasn't interested at all. And he said, no, 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 no. And, and the guy said, okay, okay. He said, uh, I don't have time or whatever, whatever. And so the guy started to walk away and he just felt like he should still see, would, you, would he take a track? And he said, sir, could I just leave you this? Could I just leave you this, I don't know what he said, piece of paper or gospel track? And uh, maybe, maybe later you'll have time to look at it. Okay, all right, whatever. So he took it. And I was, I was reading on and the man said that, I think it was two or three days later, Got a call. And the guy, this was the man who was a little bit mean, and he called. I've never had this happen. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you, because it does happen, apparently. The man said, you know what? I, I wanted to apologize for the way I treated you the other day. He said, could you, could you come by? He goes, I read, that, I read that paper that you left with me. He said, could you come by and talk to me more about it? They set up a time. They went by. The man got saved, his wife got saved, and his two children got saved. 
This was on a, this was on a contact where it was, I don't want to, I don't have time, I don't want it, and just being led by the Spirit, seeking God's help. To have the, I don't know that I would have even tried that. I'm just being honest. I probably just walked off the steps and said, you know, have a good day. But he had that whereabouts to say just one more time, hey, could I just leave this with you? It wasn't him, but it was the power of the gospel. It was the co-laborer in the Holy Spirit of God that was with him on that porch. And boy, I was challenged by that story. It really provoked me to not give up even on a door. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. <laughs> now look what the gospel did to us. Changed us. Seek God's help. Turn over, or maybe it's the same page. Chapter 2, verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the what? Gospel. It's my responsibility. That's what I'm reading on the front of this handout, and that's what you're reading. Because we have, I have been, excuse me, I have been put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men. I think that's the verse we were looking for, wasn't it? Not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. The point is, we were allowed of God. If God's given me the gospel, if God's given you the gospel, then God's going to go with us with the gospel. He's not just giving it to us to figure it out. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Letter D, prepare a message. Good news, it's already been prepared. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. God already prepared what we need to say. Now, it's not just that we just all of a sudden, and we're not talking deep into all of this tonight, but the message is the gospel, as we've said. And Paul writes about it here to the church at Corinth. For I delivered unto you, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, do you see that right there? Paul received it. Now he's given it to somebody. You receive it. I receive it. What are we supposed to do? Give it to somebody. And it's not even, this isn't even the part of being, uh, going out with my responsibility. But this is talking about, I'm delivering it unto you. This is Paul delivering it to Christians. This is the church that he's writing to. So he's saying, this was delivered to me, and, and, I, and I have to be faithful with it, and I'm delivering it to you now. And so I, I think we can look at it that way, that just like Paul is delivering it to Corinth, Paul is delivering it to us tonight. Thousands of years later, preserved, infallible. 
How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's the first part of the Gospel. Christ died. And that He was buried. That's the second part of the Gospel. He was buried in the tomb. And that He rose again the third day. That's the third part of the Gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection. According to the Scriptures. This wasn't according to Paul. This was according to the Word of God. So prepared what needs to be said. When we go, we're, we're looking for a way, we're looking for a way that we can get to the Gospel. It doesn't mean that we're going to always have that opportunity, but we're looking for a way to get to the Gospel. Another little story that maybe you've read, and we'll close with this, that gives a great illustration about the value of one. The story is told of a little boy on the beach. And on that beach, there were, it was littered with starfish. I love this story. I've read it, I don't know, how many, hundreds of times, but it never gets old. And the little boy was going, hundreds and hundreds of starfish, and he was going along and picking up one starfish at a time. And he was... Like Jesse was throwing rocks the other day, right, Jesse? Yeah. I'll go with you next time. I like to throw rocks. I'm allowed to throw them at the beach, too. Only this, this boy was throwing starfish. Could you imagine that, Jesse, throwing starfish? Wow, that'd be cool. He was picking up one starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. These starfish were not going to survive unless somebody took the time to throw them in. Either the birds were going to come and have dinner or... It just wasn't going to work. Just one, just, you know, again, hundreds and hundreds. And then there was an older gentleman, a man that was watching him. And finally he came over and he said to him, he said, um, you know, what are you doing? And he picked up one and he threw it in. He kind of ignored him a little bit and, you know, and he picked up another one and threw it in. And finally he, the, the gentleman said, what are you doing? There's, there's, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of starfish. What are, you, what are you doing? How are you going to make a difference? It's just one. And he picked up one and he said, well, I'm making a difference for this one. And he threw it in. And he picked up another one and he threw it in. He couldn't pick up five at a time or ten at a time. But he picked up one at a time. You know, and over time, over time, as we go and we recognize the value of one, one does become more than one. But even if it's just one, what is the value of a soul? And so, it is my responsibility. And I pray that we'll just consider that tonight. That this week, what we have left of it, that we would remember that individual in front of us, beside us, behind us, at work with us, wherever, they have an eternal soul. And we have, the, we have the hope for them to be saved. We have the hope for them to be saved and have that, that um, reservation that can be made in heaven.